This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And thank you for joining us on 51 First Dates yet again. We are so happy to have you here. Thrilled. Honestly, thankful. Thankful. Oh, that is perfect, Liza, because this <laughs> is our <laughs> this is our Thanksgiving cornucopia episode. <laughs> yes. That was our a really early and aggressive shoehorn of our theme. As you guys regular listeners know, we love to just cram our theme down your throats. So we there have you go. a brand and it is called shoehorning. And yeah. you know, <laughs> if you're new to the podcast, welcome. We're so thankful for you being here. If you're if you've been here for a while, we're also thankful for you and we're thankful for all your ratings on Apple Podcasts and your notes and your worst first dates and your follows at 51 First Dates Pod. Okay, I'll keep it short because this is about our thanks for you, not our desire for more love. <laughs> and uh, today we're going to talk about just a whole bunch of, of cornucopia stuff. Again, theme. Um, we're going to answer some questions. We're doing a solo episode because it felt kind of right for this random holiday. And if you're on a train or in an airport heading home to your family right now and it's extremely stressing you out, we're just here to bring you our mellow vocal stylings and <laughs> hopefully remind you that you're not alone and that Thanksgiving and holidays are hard sometimes. They're fucking hard. They're really hard, but we want to make them somewhat joyous. And we're going to try our best by being the worst and continuing to shoehorn things like cornucopias into you know our theme but Liza let's talk about the different items within our cornucopia I absolutely but first and I'm sorry to take us on a tangent already don't you think shoehorning sounds like a dating term like it's not one but can't you see people being like he shoehorned me blah 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 (laughs) which it sounds kind of dirty but you know like (laughs) Wait, so yeah, what is shoehorning in a dating sense? Let me think about this. Okay. All I want to do on this podcast is at is coin one dating term that goes mainstream. I'm gonna I feel like shoehorning is when you're trying to make something work that doesn't. You're trying to like cram a thing into another thing. Yeah. Oh, dirty, oh, dirty, God. dirty. Sorry, this guys. is our cornucopia. <laughs> Cornucopias somehow feel dirty. I don't know why. Well, it's a lot of things crammed like into vaginas. a bigger thing. Uh and it, they're like a little bit vaginal looking. A little bit vaginal for sure. But let me think about this. Shoehorning, it's definitely cramming a thing into another thing. But it has such a negative connotation. It doesn't, but when I apply it to dating, it does. Sorry. It feels like a negative dating term that it's like – it feels like one person is doing it to the other almost more than it feels like – you're doing it to yourself because I've shoehorned yeah. myself into a lot of fuckboys' lives. But, you know, it doesn't sound quite right. Like, I think yeah. it's more – hmm. I feel like it's that thing – okay, and I am watching – uh, very devoted listeners know I'm a huge fan of 90 Day Fiance before the 90 days. 
Mm. And I didn't watch season three real time, but I'm catching up on it now. So I am a little bit in the middle and I know like the season's over, but I haven't finished. However, there's a character that's been on all three seasons named Darcy. And Darcy, I would argue, is a shoehorner. And I think it's I, I, so she basically anyone she's dating, she tries to find reasons that they're the perfect person for her. Aha. And she's always trying to make it work she's like he's my prince charming and i love him but it's like um but you guys like fight all the time or like oh but he's really like emotionally closed off like i think she really is looking for love there may be some issues whatever i don't want to like shame darcy but she's probably has some problems but i feel like it's that thing of like something's not quite right but you're so determined to make it right or the other person is so determined to make it right they're shoehorning I mean, Liza, I think I'm obsessed. Like, alert the women's digital media brands because you need an article. Like, that, I think that's right. You hit it on the head. I was a little bit, like, struggling with understanding it until you gave that example. Darcy's shoehorning because she's telling herself that everyone is the right one. And while we're not all Darcy's, I think we can all relate to that weird first date feeling or weird meeting someone you have a crush on feeling where you're like, ooh, yeah. And then this, and then that, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I have shoehorned. Shoehorning was my problem prior to going on dates for this podcast, I would say. Yeah, totally. Where you're like, I don't want to look for somebody else, so I'm going to tell myself that this is right. Another important question that's on my mind, What? where did shoehorn come from? (laughs) Where is that idiom from? I don't know. If anybody knows. because of a shoehorn. Do you, have you ever have you ever used a shoehorn? Oh yeah, those are called shoehorns, where you put yeah. your sh- foot in the shoe that barely fits. Yes, yeah, it okay. helps you ease your foot into a shoe. That's the thing. So there are two. Okay, so shoehorning, like you're forcing a relationship, but you need to find your perfect partner should be a shoehorn that eases you into life. Exactly. There's a whole Cinderella thing here, mm. right? Like it should be an easy fit. Blah blah blah. Taking back Disney. Yeah, Disney Plus' latest shoehorn, the other Cinderella story. Okay, now that we've accomplished that, uh, let's talk about what we're going to run back to. Well, the thing you wanted to talk about five minutes ago, and I was like, wait, wait, I'm going to shoehorn a conversation about shoehorning into here. No, I Um, really don't think you should apologize because that's really smart, and I I like it. I mean, who the fuck came up with breadcrumbing? You know, like shoehorning. I like it better. I say shoehorn more than breadcrumb. If anyone would like to write an article about this, please cite us and then my you you literally will have made my holiday dreams come true by yes, coining one you are term out there writing. Maybe we can get Hannah at Elite Daily to let us write an article. That would be fun. Ooh, about you horning? I love it. I love it. Okay. Um all right. So today we are going to answer some questions from the listeners. We're going to talk about some Things we recommend watching over the holiday slash reading slash thinking about. That's just we want to – we're recording in a very timely manner. So we have some top of mind things that might be fun to chat about. One of those includes a cut article about sex and food that I really want to talk about with Liza, even if it's for two minutes, but that's coming. And then finally, we really want to do something fun at the end. Yes, we're going to do is was were you setting me up to explain it? Yeah, I, I wanted case. to not be so like I'm talking the whole time. No, I love it. <laughs> um at the end, we are going to go through some of you've heard us talk before about this kind of outdated dating book called The Rules, which I feel like was a thing in when like the 90s and early aughts maybe. Yeah, it was I think it came out in the 90s and then was maybe still popular in the early aughts, who knows. Yeah, and it's a lot of like rules about how to date 
the things to do, not to do, whatever. And I mean, it's I think it's specifically geared towards women. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, I think, are not 2019. So we're going to go through, pick out a couple of the rules, talk about why they are or are not applicable to modern dating and why or why not they are um, anti-feminist. Yeah, we're going to debunk the shit out of the gross ones. Yes. And a disclaimer, Liza and I, we I don't think you have, but I haven't read the rules. You haven't either? No. I have not. No, we just pulled a list of them. So I don't, you know, I just want to put that disclaimer out right at the top. So as per usual, we are your semi-informed dating friends. We love Drinking whiskeys and talking about things we only kind of know about. This is my favorite time of the week, to be very honest. It's so nice, Liza, to just be like shooting the shit again. I really like it. Yes, same. It's nice to do a solo episode because we haven't been doing them because we've had so many amazing guests and yada, yada, yada. But I think it was just time to, like, do one of these where we talk about a lot of stuff that's been on our minds, talk about a lot of recommendations. Like, before we started recording, we were, like, talking a mile a minute about a TV show we're going to recommend in a little bit. So there's there's a lot of stuff coming up that we haven't really had a chance to shoehorn into our guest interviews. Um, and, yeah, yeah, we're psyched. And if we haven't dangled enough carrots of the cornucopia in front of your face... I also, at the very end, I want to read the best ghosting story ever instead of a worst first date. Just to round it out, it's from a friend of mine. She wrote it in, and I think it's lovely. So many carrots in our cornucopia. I love – I actually don't love carrots. I know. Fucking – like, at me, but I don't love carrots. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I – does anyone love carrots? I like them fine. Yeah. I think, and I eat anything. I'm really not picky. I don't hate them, but like everyone, yeah. like who loves carrots? I don't know. You know, I they're don't fine. Know. They're whatever. Bunnies. Um, Bunnies. Anywho, uh, all right. Do you wanna? Do you wanna go first? Yeah, I do because I I just want to start with some you know some current events, aka this cut article that I I just really wanted to bring up quickly. There was a cut article about a New York Post article about the best pre-sex meal. Basically, the New York Post wrote an article that was like, the best pre-sex meal is chicken parm. (laughs) So that's a thing that really happened. And then obviously the cut was like, let's debunk the shit out of that. So before I spoil what the cut settled on as the best pre-sex meal, and Liza, we've shared our thoughts on pre-sex meals in general – What if you had to eat a food pre-sex? What would it be? This is also timely for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, I think Thanksgiving must be like the least sex holiday. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I feel like if there was a chart with all the data of like how many days a year people are having sex, I feel like Thanksgiving's got to be the bottom or one of the bottom. Whatever is nine months from then, I should be able to do that in my head. What is that? I don't know. August? August or September? Yeah. August. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think the best pre-sex meal. Okay. It can't be, it needs to be something light, but it can't be like anything too, it can't be like a salad. Yeah. Because that makes me farty. And bloaty. (laughs) Salads immediately bloat me. The next day they make me feel skinny. It's a thing. Yeah. Um, but also like, not seafood you know what it is kimmy it's your first go-to first date meal it's like oysters and charcuterie Mm -hmm. like a charcuterie platter and a glass of wine 
Because it's like, you don't have to get so full, but it's satisfying. You're going to, it's going to feel like you ate a meal. Yeah. But it's not like you're having a steak. A hundred percent. I think it's very important that I now share the best pre-sex food according to the cut. Okay. So you're you're right on the money. They were like snacks. Generally snacks. Oh my God, really? Like it's not a meal, but yeah. all you need is a handful of olives, some chips, perhaps a shared appetizer, picked over absently as you enjoy a couple of drinks, and the knowledge that you will soon be doing it. That's quoted from the cut. It's a little different, but I feel like charcuterie is exactly that. Like a little cornichon, yeah. please. A little tiny cornichon. A preview. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully not am i like some (laughs) fucking fratty like comedian i'm sorry no no fratty comedian would have that good of a french accent um (laughs) people don't know this but kimmy's secret talent is that she speaks very very good french Um, not really not really not really i don't want but it no it's very impressive but uh i'm i am yeah i feel like you have to eat something that makes you feel like you've eaten but yeah, anything that's too much really can ruin. I've ruined a couple like special occasions by eating. I mean, like, I I am an eater. Like, I, I eat like when I'm out to dinner. Like, I eat like a wild animal, and I eat a lot of food or whatever. So I, there have been a couple like anniversaries and birthdays that I've ruined. It's... Dan Savage has this whole fuck first thing. Have you heard this? Yeah, we've talked about this on the podcast. I think. Okay. Yeah, it's basically like before a like a big meal on a special occasion like have sex first mm-hmm. like don't wait till after on valentine's day and whatever so i've newly adopted that and one one addendum the the thing they said about oysters like the traditional aphrodisiacs like oysters chocolate champagne they were like mm, a little aggressive for a first date you know if you don't want to be like we're gonna do it so just have snacks again this is a very yeah. like lol tongue-in-cheek piece but ooh. <laughs> Just sorry, I just knocked my mic in my face. But one other detail about the New York Post article because I really, I can't get over it. There was a guy featured in it named Johnny Adler, a 25 year old from Jersey City who had his photo in it, and he was photographed enjoying chicken parm with a date, and took it a step further, describing the chicken parm as totally an aphrodisiac. So, oh my you know god, <laughs> that's he, insane. I don't know if like chicken parms union a chicken like. Chicken Growers United, like someone paid for this placement, but honestly, that's some uh, as like a kind of whatever Italian American. That's some shit that like I feel like I can hear like my Italian family saying, being like, "It's an aphrodisiac. It's good." Like blah blah. blah. It's not. It just doesn't make any sense. No. It's... I wonder if the writer was an Italian person. The other thing about chicken parm is that it's quite literally all the things that are bad for you. It's carbs and dairy and meat and like now that chicken you know it's just it's all of it at once assaulting your stomach yeah you know yeah i feel like when i eat chicken parm i try to be in sweatpants you know like that's the vibe of that yeah sunday sweatpants i want to circle back to one other thing you said okay because i feel like if a first date was like say i was on the apps i'm going back to the oysters thing because i feel Mm -hmm. like this is maybe i'm alone in this but if I were on the apps and a first date was like, do you like oysters? Why don't we go to oyster happy hour? I would be so into that. I mean, I wouldn't sleep with someone probably on the first date unless it was like the best first date of my entire life. But I feel like it's a cool way to like 
hang out, have drinks and eat a little bit without having any like pressure. Yeah. It's also a sign of someone who like isn't a picky eater, which I'm very attracted to. Yeah. I am reminded, however, of like the Sex and the City episode. Like there's some like disgusting oyster eating that happens when Charlotte's on a date with a guy who loves like going down on women. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't disgusting, but I – No, it was disgusting. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I remember exactly. I do – I think – yeah, I think it's an interesting thing. You can talk about something. I personally love oysters. I just like – they're – they're kind of sexy and kind of horrific to eat in front of another person. Do you know what I mean? Like if they're well shucked, you can be like, yeah, salty. Mm, mm, mm." Yeah. But if they're not, it's like a little awkward. But then again, every food is awkward. I'm the like sloppiest eater ever. So I don't know. I I agree, Liza. Yes. I would be like, that would be the literal key to my heart. Like I don't think anyone could ask me on a better first date than Oyster Happy Hour. And you know what? You're eating something, but it's not like committing to a dinner because you can have oysters and then have 10 dinners like oysters. Yeah. You know? And it's still very much a drinks thing. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a fun thing where you can get a dozen and then if it's going well, you can get another dozen. I don't know. Yeah. I like it. I've definitely had oysters on a first date before. It was with dinner though. Hmm. But either way, send us your oyster first dates. (laughs) That was the most specific um, thing I've ever mentioned on this podcast we just started talking about oysters and i was like oh is that my perfect first date um okay so read the cut article which i still haven't read but i will and wait was then there another cut article oh, you yeah. want to talk about another shout out again this is not sponsored by the cut but there's an article and i can't even remember what it's titled but it was basically just like a short article about like the moment a woman realized that she every time she looked around in the subway or wherever all these couples she was thinking like a lot of them are about to break up so just if you're feeling down out there <laughs> looking at the couples just be like a lot of them are gonna even if they're not about to break up they're going to break up the yeah. odds are not that they'll stay together so just yeah. like i was like ooh, that makes me feel good so maybe it'll make some listeners feel good yeah so. one of my best friends this is so fucked up and it does not as feel good but one of my best friends who's like a professional kind of like charming nihilist i don't really know how how better to describe this person is always like whenever i'm at a wedding and i think it's a mistake i just comfort myself by telling myself they're probably gonna get a divorce i have it's the same side of that coin i have felt that i have done that i have even expressed that out loud to someone i was commuting home from that wedding with so i mean it's okay it's just a fact look at the stats yes. you know i'm not rooting against anything but marriage doesn't equal happiness we all know this i don't know i think yes just relationship doesn't equal happiness like you know relationships are fucking hard i was fighting with day 13 this week about i honestly don't remember (laughs) i think i was just being a stubborn little brat you know (sighs) i mean it's very hard not to have moments i don't know i i think it's I don't, it's helpful to remember that like, and I think a lot of people can identify that with this. I felt lonelier inside relationships than I have single before. Like being in a relationship that is not giving you what you need, like I think is the loneliest thing in the world, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's very real. I think I don't feel that way right now. Just, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yes, but of course. I do. Listen, and also for the record, that was absolutely not what I meant. <laughs> Just like you and Tate 13 are are the real deal no but but i can see again it's what i always go back to it's like oh finally being in a serious relationship it it doesn't mean everything is better everything is still shit no everything is still life and life is shit 
or hard or life is many things yeah and it just doesn't solve all your problems like that was always the thing like I remember like and this was when I was much younger but when I was in college especially I really thought like I would be being in a relationship would solve all my problems like it would make me not insecure anymore it would make me feel like all of these things that you know really the only thing that can make me feel that way was therapy there we go ding I feel like we need to like ring a bell every time we mention therapy. Ding. But, well, speaking you know. of therapy, we have a great question about therapy and we have a show we want to talk about or recommend about therapy. Yes. Okay. This is the show that Kimmy and I were talking about extensively before we got on and started recording. Um, And that show is a Showtime show called Couples Therapy. Also not a sponsor. We are promoting media like shit today. Yes. Because we're thankful this for is- it. This is, I feel like, uh, I we I would love to do, for us to just also at some point have a media promoting podcast mm-hmm. where we just talk about shit that we've read and watched because it's a big part of both of our lives. Um, but this show is incredible. If you're not watching it, if you haven't heard of it, which I feel like weirdly it hasn't gotten as much attention as I think it should have. I agree. But uh, I've talked a lot on our podcast about Esther Perel's podcast, Where Should We Begin?, and th- that's real life couples uh, therapy sessions. And this show is is very similar. The premise it's real life couples therapy. And then you see the therapist whose name is Orna in like consultation sessions with her mentor about the couple she's working with. And it's crazy because it's just like these are real couples. The sessions are all videotape like are all, you know, obviously like on video and it's beautifully shot. Like, I've been trying to figure out how they shoot it because you never see cameras everywhere, but they have all these angles. They must have a really cool set with, like, trick. Um, trick. I uh, hope so. Maybe we can get someone on who worked on it because I hope Ugh. so. Otherwise, if it's just editing and they're redoing conversations, I would be heartbroken. Yeah. Because I believe yeah. the shit out of it. It's It's so good. And it feels so – I really feel like everyone – can get something out of watching this show if you're in a place right now where you can't afford to go to therapy i think listening to where should we begin and watching this show can uh, can really i'm not saying it takes the place of therapy but i think it really can like show you a little bit about how you can start to examine your own patterns um i don't know i'm obsessed there are yeah there's some cool breakthroughs we shouldn't even get that far into it so we don't spoil anything but maybe uh, a tv club we didn't really follow through on the book club but maybe we can have all in one media media club but um there are some amazing nuggets that like blew my mind and i can't remember them now but it's a really good thing to watch if you want to just think about definitely relationships but also just like how to be human and be empathetic to others but also true to yourself in life yeah it's my pitch for it it's really really powerful and also this is just a random nugget but they are currently casting for the second season. So if there's any New York area couples or you or you're, you know any, you know, anyone listening who is not a New York area couple knows someone who is, they are, yeah, they're taking new couples for the next season. And you get 20 weeks of free, like really high quality couples therapy. Obviously, it's not for everyone because your life is like fully on display. But more and more people are like kind of cool with that. Um, and Liza, and explain how you know about that because it really sounds like we're sponsored now. I, though I swear to God, they are not like 
So I keep getting advertisements for their casting in my Instagram feed. Like they're targeting me. I think because I like have Googled stuff about therapy and I listen, like I read a lot of stuff about therapy and I listen to where should we begin and whatever. The the metrics got me and they have been advertising aggressively to me on, I've seen it on Facebook and on Instagram and like a browser ad. So they definitely found me and are targeting me. But I, like, think it's really cool and, like, kind of would do it. I mean, should yeah. I just do it? No, probably not. They would never take me because of this podcast. However, <laughs> uh, I just think it's the coolest thing. And I think it's such a cool opportunity to, like, if you are one of those open book type of people who, you know, I think it's great when people don't feel the need to, like, hide things with their private lives. Um, I think it would be, like, a really cool opportunity to have, like, to save literally, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on like really high quality couples counseling. I literally sound like I'm doing an ad read right now. It's okay. I mean, that's how, it, yeah, it's okay. But we really aren't. We have gotten I, emails about castings for other shows, but we didn't get one from Showtime for I this I swear one. to God, I just think it's the coolest thing. And if anybody applies, can you please email us at 514 at gmail.com and just let us know. Yeah, what's it like? Okay. so or, And if you watch it, post in the secret Facebook group because like I'm also just looking for more people to talk to about it I told everyone at my job about it and I don't think anyone watched it and I was like come on guys you know that thing when you recommend a show and you're like anyone anyone watching this yeah it's interesting I think it's partly like who's distributing it not that people don't have showtime but just I don't know it's it's a little tougher you have to dig a little bit for it it's not just like sitting on your Netflix homepage and like I, I like that it's not but okay there is a question about therapy as well that I will take I will take. I will read and we will try to answer. I think it'll be quick, but hi, Gems. Sorry, this isn't quite dating related, but definitely something I think you all could help with, especially Kimmy and Liza. This came from the Facebook group. Uh, Is seeing the same therapist as your best friend ever an issue? I read a little into it and have seen mixed reviews. More so leaning towards don't do it. My best friend forever. She wrote BFF, but I said best friend forever. Sorry. Has been going to an amazing therapist who has helped her immensely. I've been looking at my own, but this woman just sounds dope as hell. What do we think? I mean, it's funny because I read this in Seek Facebook group and I remember some people like some a lot of the comments were like, if you're going to talk about your friend, it's going to be weird. Mm-hmm. And the girl in the comments, the, the original poster, not girl, woman, uh, said, like, I don't think that's going to be a problem, which is great. Um, I I think so. Kimmy and I saw the same therapist for a long time. We actually were not good friends when we started seeing the same therapist, mm-hmm. and then became friends. We were both referred to our therapist th- by an acting teacher, which is like <laughs> hilarious. This was fully 2011. We were children. And then we made a uh, web series about it. I'm sorry, I'm just laughing at our <laughs> like full on lol. Oh my um, god! But uh, I think that uh. I so so we saw the same therapist for years. I Kimmy saw her for a while when I wasn't. I'm seeing her now. And also, I Kimmy, I don't know if I've told you this, but I referred another one of my pretty good friends to her and she is now seeing her. She was okay with that? So, she my friend started seeing her before I went back to her. Got and it. so I went back to her and I was like, "Sorry, apparently I do this pathologically." <laughs> like and it's, you know, but um what our therapist said to me about the new friend, because when I was re-entering, our therapist was basically, I'll call her V, that's what we call her. V was basically like, uh, you know, in an ideal world, this wouldn't have happened. But 
since it already is and like you know you and i have an existing relationship we can just do this and just know that like you know if you feel the need to talk about her or if she feels the need to talk about you like that doesn't affect anything for me like the person you tell me about is not the same person that i see in here because it's all about how she affects you like i'm treating you when i'm treating you and it's not like those things don't overlap so i think a really good therapist will be able to keep those things separate yeah um, as best as they humanly can and i like the it's also the style of therapy because other therapists are fine if friends see them they don't care you could be honest yeah. about it and they're fine we go to a Jungian therapist and she did immense training where I'm like, I think you could have learned a lot of tactics to genuinely, even if you have to see friends, be able to separate it. Uh, yeah, it didn't It didn't hold me back from ever talking about you, Liza, but not in a bad way. Yeah. Like it would be different if, you know, something really went down between us. I would have I, – I wouldn't have talked about it the same way as I would if we were really fighting to someone who didn't know you, just frankly, you know? Yeah. And I had yeah. been with that therapist for a long time. And again, I'm not saying something's going to go down between you and your friend. I think people are okay with it. I think the biggest thing not to – I know you're paying your therapist, but is your therapist okay with it? Is the therapist okay with it? And they'll yeah. have their reasons. And then once that's sorted, you can kind of make your own decision. Uh, sometimes they'll just be happy to give you a referral too. Yeah. That was the thing I was going to say. So when – I've had friends who have wanted to see my therapist and I've been like, you know, I think I've already waded in too deep with like other, you know, overlapping with friendships. But if you so the original poster of this post said like the therapist who's been working with her friend seems to be really, really good. I think so. I have had other people call my our therapist to get a referral and be like, these are the things that I am looking for. And these are the things that my friend has said she likes about working with you. Like, that's what I'm looking for. And I think a lot of the times, like good therapists know other good therapists and are pretty careful and conscientious about like how they refer people. So I feel like that's a really good compromise, too. Yeah. And another very weird, unforeseen thing, like I've had friends go to her and then go to her referral and I even got offended. Like my one friend from our therapist, Liza and I's my therapist, got a referral to someone in the same style. And then my friend like didn't like it and kind of shat on that style of therapy to me. And I got like weirdly offended. Like I didn't let my friend know that, but I was like, this hurts. Like it, there are sensitivities around therapy. Like that's a very odd example, but just like, like I didn't know how I'd ever feel weird about that. But I was just like kind of offended. Like, oh, well then, okay. Like, yeah. Mm. Well, you're telling me the, biggest... the thing I've been doing for seven years is dumb like oh yeah well I think the biggest thing about therapy too is that like it's supposed to be a safe space for you like a completely in theory a completely like isolated and objective space just divorced from your life so I think that you know if you're starting a new process like I can see the appeal of getting a referral and going to a therapist who has no connection to you at all. Like, there could be something f more free in that. Mm -hmm. um, however, well, yeah, I think a good therapist knows how to compartmentalize that stuff, too. I know. I know we haven't given you an answer. I think, like, both <laughs> ways are entirely possible. You don't have to I, – I, I think it's, like, this is the easy way for us to answer, but it is truly case by case. And – if, I don't know, you might not think you're going to talk about your friend, but you never know. Weird shit happens in life. And I, any falling out or issues I've had with friends, it sounds like I've had a million falling outs, but my therapist was a huge part of me getting through that and like not 
just falling to pieces because my friendships are really important to me. So it was nice to be able to talk freely about that and even be told when I was taking things the wrong way. I would just hate if you think you'll ever hold back. I would be like, eh, maybe not. Yeah. And if you end up choosing to see that same therapist, you should definitely feel free to say, like, I feel like I'm holding back right now because I don't want to say something that, you know, like, yes, yes that's yes, something yes. that I've absolutely done in therapy where I'm yeah. like, I feel conflicted and weird right now. Yeah. And yeah. It's always something that she's like, don't because don't forget, this is like not, you know, that I'm treating you like this is about you, your childhood, you're this, you're that, how you respond to things like that's what yogi and therapy is all about and this is what she would hate but i kind of secretly like that like she would hear something about me from liza so like i couldn't just paint myself in a good light <laughs> like maybe she had some more context on how i come across to other people do you know what i mean i think that's kind of valuable i don't know yes i'm sure she would kill me for I saying like that I but i have never really said anything negative about you in therapy you know what i mean like no I think... but j- don't worry i just mean like okay. it, it's helpful to you know yeah i, I don't know but Dills therapy is it, good it also, I feel like we, because we started therapy at the same time, became friends, like, while seeing, like, I feel like it was, there was, like, a naturalness to the fact that we saw the same therapist. I really hope she doesn't listen. I'm sure she does not. But On that note, should we take a quick ad break? Let's do it. And we are back. All right. Let's do another listener question. Again, very thankful. This is a really detailed question. I just really appreciate it appreciate oh, I'm I'm fumbling my words because I'm feeling cheesy but we appreciate when you guys are willing to share with us because I don't know it's hard to do so hi Kimmy and Liza I really love your podcast it's super informative and helping me a lot while dating in NYC thank you sorry Aww. I didn't mean to brag but I went on a first date last week which I thought was okay we got drinks and hung out for a good four hours after he walked me to my car I got a text from him legit 10 minutes later saying hey it was really nice meeting you let me know when you get home okay smiley face when I got home I replied saying just got home thanks for tonight I had a nice time he liked my message put a pin in that I want to talk about that and I haven't heard from him since then. It's been almost a week. Is he simply just not into me and I should forget about it? My friends are saying do not text him asking what's up or whatever because if he wanted to see me again, he would text me. Do you think I should just give it a shot or just leave it? Do you think I should give it a shot or just leave it and move on? I guess the worst thing that can happen is that he doesn't answer or says he's not interested. And if that's the case, what the hell? At least I tried. I just don't want to come across as desperate. Then she has my favorite smiley face emoji. That's that like... I could be constipated. I'm feeling sick. You know that face that's just like a wriggly face? Like, ugh. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a great face. <laughs> and then just wanted to know your insight here on what you guys would do in this situation. Thanks, girls. First and foremost, I think that this question comes up in many shapes or forms many times. I know we've talked about it, but like it still comes up. And I think the specifics here, like I feel like this will carry well into our rules conversation, but – yeah, what are your thoughts, Liza? I mean, I think the first thing I would go to is like, let's take gender out of it for a second. Do you want to see him again? That's my, it'll be my first question. And how much? Because 100%. I think if you feel like it was a good date and you are still thinking about it, you probably want to see him again or at least give it the chance for a second date and see how it would go. And I think if we imagine that, like, all these gender norms don't exist, like, you should text him and be like, hey, would you want to get drinks this week? That being said, I also understand that, like, 
these gender things do exist. It's like we don't live in a bubble. And there is like slightly a preference towards men texting first or men asking for dates. So I would say if you are feeling like you really want to see him again, you thought it was a really, really solid first date and you're excited about it, go for it. If you're just medium on him, it could be okay to let it kind of fizzle. Yeah, I think that's fair. I feel a strong... I I feel related I, I relate to this question in a strong way, especially when I was dating in New York pre and then during the podcast. I think Liza's first question is spot on. Do you in a perfect world, which it was kind of, because they texted back and forth. I don't mm-hmm. love the like liking a text because I know it's oh. someone's normal like iPhone behavior, but it just feels like, well, now you technically replied last, but it wasn't a reply. It was a double tap. It, it, yeah. Bizarre. I don't like it in life. I don't really yeah. like it in any. The only good application I've ever seen of that is uh, my brother, who is like hilarious uh, in his own like special uh, way, will text a joke and on a, like a, a group thread. And if no one, if it doesn't get any airplay, he'll go back and ha ha his own joke like after the fact. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> Which is I think the only time I've ever enjoyed that. I, I just think it's a little bit of a cop out. I agree. And I think, again, it depends on your texting relationship with the person. I don't think it's a deal breaker in this case because I think people genuinely use it. Uh, But everything was super normal. Things went well but were like in limbo. But it was the idea like we both sent nice texts. I think Liza's question of am I interested if everything were removed in terms of gender, if – if that were all removed, if anything about my past dating life, impossible to remove, let's be real, without therapy and even still. But if you could just really zoom out and be like, do I want to see him again? Because a lot of times I found myself, well, I didn't because I wasn't checking. I was just obsessed with getting the second date because I like winning. But during the podcast, I was very much at the beginning, and I always reference this, but those first few dates, like freaking out over whether I got the second date because it wasn't about if I really liked the person. It was a completely a way to validate my existence, which is sad, mm. honestly. I felt like that was, oh, I'm okay at this. And I'll bring it up now. I always bring it up, but there was one I freaked out about in particular. I feel like it was date three or something, and there was even a kiss, and I didn't know. And <laughs> bless Excuse me, you. sorry. I remember I kind of had texted him and then he kind of let me down because I I texted him following up about a second date in like a more aggressive way than just like hey do you want to get together again and he didn't not let me down but it was like I'm busy right now it was yeah he let me down you could go listen to it actually It's, it's an early episode and then like a year later I got a text from him a big long one about did you go get your MBA and it wasn't like a fuckboy text it was like I was just thinking back to that and Again, maybe he found the podcast. Maybe something like that happened. But he didn't allude to it. And it was just like a – it was very interesting. And it put his his not wanting to go on a second date in more context. He had like moved to San Francisco. And it was – I I found it very validating. And it felt like, oh, energy is changing. All of that said, I don't agree with your friends. I think even if you're not that into him – if you're trying to get back out there and give people full chances and challenge yourself the way I was, just fucking ask. Be like, do you want to do you want to grab drinks? Like something super low stakes. I know that it can be really painful, but for me, like that feeling of rejection, even if he says no, let's say. And like there's nothing here that tells me he'll say no. And maybe he's tired of 
making the first move or maybe not. Maybe it's just not going to work out. I just, I think for a second date, the stakes are low enough where even if you feel like you're going to have your feelings hurt, if you hear a no and you put yourself out there, I think it's good practice because you start just trying to ask for what you want. So again, if you're like totally meh, fine, don't do it. But if you want to put yourself in a maybe a, a position that feels more uncomfortable, but in the end will feel more empowering than just waiting and seeing it fizzle and saying, no, a man would reach out if he's interested. Like it's, we're fucking giving them the power every time then. And then I don't know. That's my. Yeah. And also I just think that like at any point, if you ask something with like confidence and like big, big dick energy or big clit energy or whatever, like it's hard for people to, Confidence is always kind of like a little bit unimpeachable, you know, mm, I and I think that it, but also like I am someone who like I say confidence, but for me, confidence a lot of the time has been faking it till I make it, which there are literal like scientific, um, not scientific, like psychological studies, like, you know, double blind peer reviewed like university studies about the fake it till you make it um, idea and, like, it works. Pretending you are that, like, you know, pretend you're a celebrity and he should be so lucky to get a text from you. And you'll start to feel that way, which mm-hmm. is true. It's true. If you like work, him it's true and you're everywhere. like, hey, do you want to get a drink? Like, I'm free Thursday. That's, you know, like, it's hot when people are confident. I and it makes you people, other people get on board with you. And I think that you can completely embrace it from that perspective. And then if he says no, like, he's dumb. And just as a little segue, I think, Liza, we have time today to break down, like, a couple rules. And then I kind of think we should get Kenny back on and do a whole rules thing. Or, like, a man on. Yes. That could be fun. Totally. Yes, I would love I'm just – I'm looking at rule number two after that question, which I know we're kind of, like, giving you, again, two answers for. But do what feels right. But I think, like, if you wrote into us, like, fucking go for it. Give it a try. Ask me about it again. Let us know what happens. But rule number two says, don't talk to a man first. This book is from the 90s, P.S., and then in parentheses, and don't ask him to dance. Ew. Liza, this is wild. <laughs> don't talk to a man first. This feels like from the 1890s. This is fucked up. I 100% asked date 13 out first and most of my 32 dates out first. Like I straight up asked these people out. And that took uh, – that was not me prior to having a responsibility of going on a date a week. But I know – Also – mess- yeah. I don't know. Not that like my, you know, bar hookups that happened from the time I was 22 to the time I was 25 mean anything or like are something everyone should be trying to replicate. But I feel like for a while I had a move where I would go up to someone in a bar and be like, so what's your deal? You're cool. And yeah, I was drunk. And yeah, I probably was way sloppier and less smooth than I think it was. But it like is a way to start a conversation i don't know i think be again being confident and just like shoehorning your ass into the situation you want to be in is like i don't know i dig that vibe. i dig it i've seen liza be forward with men and it's always worked when i've seen her do it quite literally and i'm literally always drunk it's it's something i can only do when i'm drunk which i should aspire to be better than that no i've seen you do it where like i'm like I don't have any feelings and it's like because I am goddamn shy Sally in the corner sorry to the Sally's out there sorry to your mom Liza but I I (laughs) I really she's not listening to this episode about my bar hookups I feel that 
I was like, I read this book without knowing it when I was, you know, six years old or whatever it was. Because I don't know why. I'm like, even male colleagues, like this rule is so fucking archaic. And I don't like talking to men first. Again, I could ask them out on an app. But like, God, I've maybe still never approached a man and just like hit on him. Unless he like first looked at me because I feel like I'm taking up too much space. Or I'm not hot enough. Or they will, you know... If he wants it, he'll come over to me and I I just, I hate it. I, I wonder the don't ask him to dance part if I, I feel like I have asked someone to dance maybe in middle school. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if I ever went through with it. I remember looking at the boy. Okay. Yeah. It was a boy because we were in seventh grade, sixth grade and being like, I want to dance with him. Let me ask him to grind. <laughs> but I'm I'm giggling because I'm very uncomfortable just thinking about it. I can't think of a specific instance because maybe I never went through with it, but I remember looking and being like, ooh, that Justin Bieber, Justin, not Justin Bieber, but you know the little front flip hair that they all had? Little yes. wavy front flip yes. hair. The little twerp. I don't know what it's called, yeah. but yes. Um, yeah. I remember looking across the dance room being like, can I get up the courage? Can I get up the courage? I don't know if I ever did, to be honest, which is sad. I... I just feel like, I don't know, it it feels like these rules, so many of them, like I definitely have not read this book and I think I've seen some of these, but not all of them, but it's not just this one book. Like I feel like this type of behavior was imbued into like everything we grew up with, like every sitcom, every rom-com, like all of these, like I just feel like I've internalized so much of this and it makes me sad and upset because we sh- whatever. Let's do one anyway. more debunking one and then we'll do an episode where we dive into some of them and like try to understand the good advice in them. Yes. Do you feel totally. okay about that? The one yes. that's offending me, Liza actually, is one offending you. The don't call him and rarely return his calls is offending me. <laughs> that one is offending me, but I feel like I want to ask you about another one because I think it touches on different stuff. Perfect. And I'm, curi- I'm curious your take on it. Number 19, don't open up too fast. Ooh, I think that is that was I that was my mantra for all of dating in my 20s. Yeah. And I'm just curious. Okay, uh, and the reason I bring this one up is because I have mixed feelings about it. Mm -hmm. Like I absolutely see the point of this. Yep. While at the same time being like, well, what is too fast and what is opening up? You know, it's like (laughs) those things are so... um, hard to define like I don't want to just have small talk with someone for the first four or five dates and it's so counterintuitive to the New York Times test that we love or sorry not the New York Times test but that article that we even recreated the video of of like staring into each other's eyes and then asking the 41 questions or whatever yes they're totally. all super vulnerable questions if you haven't heard us blabble blabble babble on about this um just google like 41 questions or what I'm so sorry that I'm forgetting who came up with this test it's really interesting but it, the thing about that was that you get so vulnerable in those questions and that's how people fall for each other. I yeah. think don't open up too fast is substituting for like don't show him that you're too into him too fast. But uh, even that I have trouble with. I think you can demonstrate interest in a person to an extent. It's important. I like feeling liked. They will like feeling liked. And don't open up too fast feels uh, like – just wait for them to open up to you. It's again defaulting to the other person, in this case for the book, a man. 
And like men don't even open yeah. up. So, hey. Yeah. And that's the tricky thing is I feel like, again, we are supposed to be regulating our emotions and the way we are to not be, quote unquote, too much for the man you're dating. And that kind of feels unfair. Mm-hmm. But I, I do also understand that, like, on a first date, you don't want to be like, this is my childhood pain. You know, <laughs> yeah, actually, there is something yeah. to, like, getting to know someone and, and holding some things back. But at the same time, like, I just feel like a lot of times by women being vulnerable, we create space for men to be vulnerable. It, some some men have a really hard time with vulnerability. Some men have no problem with vulnerability. Like, both of those things exist of course but i think a lot of times uh, men have some ability to be vulnerable but a lot of uh won't like be the first person to go there so i think by saying something a little bit vulnerable like oh like you know this happened at a time like i was kind of going through some stuff or i don't know like something about your relationship with your family or uncertainty in your job or your career things like that that are not like wild revelations can i think yeah create space for other people to open up and be less than perfect too which to me is really appealing like mm-hmm. on a first date you know like i would absolutely go on a first date and be like this is what i'm doing with my life like i'm not totally sure where it's gonna lead and like sometimes that makes me stress but most of the time i feel like okay well it'll it'll figure itself out you know like mm-hmm. stuff like i don't know yeah, I, I think, think you have to let down the guard, your guard a little or else why are you bothering? Anyone can make small talk for an hour. Do you know what rule I'd be okay with? Don't open up too fast on a first date. Because it's not like, yeah. because I understand like to your point, what opening up means to you changes it. And that mm-hmm. would mean like to me just a little more clearly like right on a first date, I struggled with like whether I bring up that my mom had passed or not. And I was dating really close to it and I probably made people uncomfortable and We've certainly talked about this. And I would say on a first date, there are some things when you – if you mean by opening up like things that have shaped your life, like a breakup or those things you don't want to open up about too fast. But to to open up slowly on a first date would be like to your point, Liza. Like this is where I'm at in my career. I'd really like to be here. That's appealing to another person in my opinion. Yeah. Or opening up about positive things like, you know, my uh, sister's my best friend. Or just, I don't know, like being like, oh, like this person, like, you know, I've whatever. I've had the same best friend since I was five. So I feel like that's something I'd be like, oh, he's been my best friend since kindergarten. And I don't know what I would I don't know, like, who I would be without him. So, you know, stuff like that. That's like it's a positive. It's not it is vulnerable, but it's not like, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be offended by that. <laughs> Yeah, no. Or uncomfortable. I don't know. These are truly fascinating. Tell us, if you're listening, if you think it would be cool to debunk them. I just want to give you a taste of some of them. Don't date a married man. Don't live with a man. (laughs) Like, these are – don't discuss the rules with your therapist. I mean, I think they could – Wait. Some of them could be really fun to – Yeah. Don't discuss the rules of the book with your therapist. That is some (laughs) cult shit. That's some, like – don't tell your dad, but also we need his money. Like, that is some cult leadership. I agree. MLM. Just kidding. I don't know. Like, but let let us know which ones you want us to break down. I think if you go to the Wikipedia, they're on there. And I think it would be fun to do, like, a little bit more of an episode about this. But if you are all bored, we do not have to. Yeah. I think we should try to do it with Kenny. That would be fun. This. We'll do it over yeah. the holidays. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Um, 
And if you guys don't want to hear that, let us know. Or if you do want to hear that, let us know too. We'll, we'll cut it out right away. Yes. Um, all right. We're going to read a positive ghosting story. Yay. And I think, and then we'll wrap up with that, right? Yeah. The cornucopia okay. will be wrapped and the pie will be had. Everything oh, will be stuffed. The Oh, God. What? <laughs> I shoehorn that turkey. I meant like the cornucopia and the pie and our, your bellies. And not, okay. I don't know why everything's becoming sexual. Do you want to read it or should I? I want you to. Okay. Hi, guys. I'm one of Kimmy's NYU BFFs. I love listening to you guys each week. Thank you. I, it's fun to read um, a story from someone you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just finished the ghosting episode. Liza's ghosting story really reminded me of my own ghosting story, but with a twist. I had a summer romance with a guy during the summers of 2008 and 2009. He lived in North Carolina, but was in New York City for the summer interning. We kept an on and off friendship for the years following. In 2011, he reached out and let me know he was coming to New York City with a friend for the weekend and he wanted to see me. He even asked if he could stay at my apartment. His friend was staying with his girlfriend who lived in New York City. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I said, sure. Uh, around the same time, I was going through a lot emotionally. I had recently ended my first very serious relationship with someone I found out had been cheating on me and was a sociopath and pathological liar. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, I'm sorry. it's hard for me not to just say F his name, but I won't. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Um, and one of my best friends was killed in a car accident on the same day my grandmother passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. This is so hard. Um, it was a real low point in my life. So when this guy got to the city for the weekend visit, I panicked for some reason. I really felt like I couldn't see him. And so I flat out ignored his texts. He kept texting me, asking where I was, where he should meet up with me, etc. I just didn't answer until very late at night. And I made up some stupid excuses about work and some bullshit. I said he should stay with his friend. He asked if we could at least grab coffee and I just blew him off. It was not nice at all. Pretty nasty ghosting. There is a bright side to this story, though. Two years later, when I was in a much better place emotionally, I reached out to apologize to him. And now, dot, 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 all caps, we are married. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's an incredible ghosting story. I know. And... I've known him through all those years. It's so wild. <laughs> uh, it's such a good story. It makes me feel better about my ghosting story. And also, I just think whatever if you miss my ghosting story in short i ghosted someone because i was at a very low point emotionally and i couldn't really handle anything um and i just think it's a good lesson for whenever we've been ghosted that you have no idea what the other person's going through and you know i'm sure plenty of the time they're just rude and we're not raised right but i also think some of the time people have are carrying baggage that you can't even imagine um and, and like everyone's huge, in pain. Huge shout out to this friend for yeah, just reaching out and apologizing. Like that's the thing. She always like had a thing for him from my memory. But yeah, I don't know. Just like yeah, being open and thoughtful in dating, even when you're shitty, than saying sorry. Like it's so important. Look, you might end up married. Totally. Yeah, and it's just really good womaning. Similar to what you were saying, Kimmy, the guy who texted you back a year later and was like, hey, this stuff was going on, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, I just think it it never hurts to treat everyone like a human and remember that we're all people and, you know, it's hard and scary. And for that, dear gem humans, thank you for listening and being so great to us for another year and, you know, telling your friends, sending in these like very vulnerable stories. So thank you for opening us up to us too fast. Uh, we appreciate it. And we hope you have a very good holiday. And Yes. We're so thankful for you and thankful to have 
the awesome community that you guys have formed online and be in touch with you guys and truly like your posts and emails and messages really do make us very very happy and we're so thankful to have found you all on the internet so thank you very much and honestly don't go on a date this week yeah it's thanksgiving chill just chill just eat you know your chicken parm like your hometown crush you know your high school crush you're both home fuck we didn't even talk about that the night before thanksgiving my god yeah us grandmas if you want to get it and uh, enjoy. So yeah, go on a date. Go on a date with your eighth grade crush who now you're hotter than and fuck his brains out and break all the rules from that book and yeah, tell us about it. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.